Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Enormous corruption right now in the USA. I think pretty much everybody knows it. Some won't admit it. But almost every day, we see corruption right in front of us. And it's a three-tiered situation. The Justice Department, politicians, not all, but enough, and the media. All three have real problems with corruption. And we're going to look at the media now, and that's the Talking Points memo this evening. So Americans can no longer get accurate information about their country or the world. Okay? It used to be, and I'm not going to give a history lesson here, but the founding fathers, many of whom despised the press, like Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, they knew there had to be vehicles to get information to the voters. And that's why the press has special privileges in the Constitution, okay? But what happened was the big corporations, Disney, Comcast, Warner, Fox, took over the television media and the newspapers were also dominated by corporate entities almost all of whom are liberal. Fox is the exception. Now, last week, Rupert Murdoch, the chairman of Fox News, announced he was going to resign. He's 92 years old. Almost immediately, CNN launched into its propaganda mode. Okay? It ran a primetime montage of sound from Fox News 
to prove FNC is racist. Roll the tape. Maybe uh, tomorrow he says he's going to transition to a, a woman. Better yet, maybe a black woman. <laughs> maybe even better, uh, a half black, half uh, Pacific Islander. Something like that. Slaves that worked there were well fed and had decent lodgings provided by the government. Slaves who worked there were well fed and had decent lodgings provided by the government. It sounds like I'm soft on slavery. Correct? Okay. So, that soundbite, 2016, was based on a speech by Michelle Obama where she was explaining that slaves built the White House. Here's my soundbite in entirety. Go. Finally tonight, Factor tip of the day, as we mentioned Talking Points memo, Michelle Obama referenced slaves building the White House and referring to the evolution of America in a positive way. It was a positive comment. The history behind her remark is fascinating. Slaves that worked there were well fed and had decent lodgings provided by the government, which stopped hiring slave labor in 1802. However, the feds did not forbid subcontractors from using slave labor. So Michelle Obama is essentially correct in citing slaves as builders of the White House, but there were others working as well. That sound like I justified slavery to you? So CNN took eight seconds out of a 40-second soundbite to try to convince its audience that I am a racist, that I justify slavery. Does it get any lower than that? Does it? So I contacted my attorneys, who are excellent. They wrote a letter to the CEO of CNN, David Zaslav, Z-A-S-L-A-V, and said, we need an apology and we need it quick. Okay? So, CNN's top attorney got back a few hours ago and says, we will have a response. I await it. Okay. Now, if I were to sue CNN, I would win because they obviously defamed me. And they did it on purpose, with malice. They had the full sound cut, and they just ran a part that would indicate something false about me. But I'd have to show damages uh, to get any money, and it would take three years and millions of dollars. I'd have to pay millions of dollars to my attorneys and court costs to get the thing in a position where I'd win, but I wouldn't win because the judge would go or the jury well, O'Reilly's successful. It didn't really damage him, but it did damage me. Okay? I mean, this is the kind of propaganda that CNN puts out every day. Every day. So I'm awaiting its response, and I will report it to you. And it's not, I'm not trying to make myself a martyr or a victim here. I'm a big boy. I can take care of myself. Okay? But these news, corporate news agencies do this all the time, almost every day they do it. And 
most people can't afford to take them on. So they're smeared and slimed, particularly if you're a conservative or a traditional person. So this is corruption. CNN is worldwide. It goes all over the world. If somebody doesn't know me, sees me walking down, oh, look at the racist. He's a racist. He justified slavery. And I did the exact opposite and put Michelle Obama's uh, remarks into the proper historical context, which is what we do. I'm telling you, you know, it's so disturbing for me to watch this because I've been in this business almost 50 years now to see how drastically this whole thing has declined. And uh, I'm speaking with uh, Tucker Carlson tonight. We're taping the interview in Manhattan for Killing the Witches. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later. And I, I think that's going to come up. The me- it has to come up. I mean, the media in general, what the deuce is going on here? And again, it comes into your home and your life because voters can't find out what the truth is any longer. You can't. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts. For coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. So there's a new book out I want to uh, tell you about. Um, It is called Four Presidents, Kennedy, Nixon, Biden, Trump. In addition to my book, this is a good read. Uh, Leaders who change history in our changing times. It's written by our pal Doug Schoen, who's a Democrat political Strategist, she joins us now from Miami. So, uh, what are you doing in Miami? It's too hot down there still, right? What are you hey, doing there? Bill, I'd rather be in Miami where it's too hot 
than be in New York where it is a myriad of social disorganization. There's no doubt about it. I wrote a message of the day. Social disorder is what I'm calling it. Yes. It's it's dangerous and getting worse. It's going to sink Biden. Okay. So you're attached to the Harris poll, right? I mean, you you do work with these people, right? Well, my former partner, Mark Penn, is the owner of the Harris poll. But I think most important, uh, the Harris poll is accurate, in my judgment, picking up the fact that Trump is now in the lead, probably not 10 points ahead, but it's not a tie anymore. And the trends are moving, as you point out, Bill, decisively to Donald Trump. All right. Now, Biden is sinking. What is the main reason he is sinking? Two or three things. The economy, first, inflation. Second, his age and perceived infirmity. And third, the Hunter Biden case, which is dragging on and is seemingly bringing him into uh, the dialogue and the investigation to a greater degree than anyone, I think, anticipated a few months ago. All right. But how does that hold together when he's always been old? We've had inflation for more than two and a half years. And Hunter Biden's story broke, what, a year and a half ago? So all of this stuff is pretty old. But now it looks like the whole Biden presidency is going down a drain. So is it did people just suddenly wise up? I think it is the persistence of inflation, the fact that it is increasing slightly. It has a cumulative effect. Gas prices are up. I think he is looking more and more infirm each day. Uh, And there is more and more control over what Joe Biden is saying and doing. And when you get on the phone 20 times as a sitting vice president with um, your son's clients just to to talk about the weather, uh, you know, Bill, it doesn't add up to a good story. Okay. Now, Trump is really not done much differently. He does the same thing all the time. The election of 20 was a fraud. Uh, and then he's going to be the Avenger. If you reelect me, uh, he's going to make America great again. He's going to get rid of all this Biden stuff. Nothing really. Have you seen anything new from Trump in the last six months? The only thing I've seen is he seems to have calmed his act down a bit. He is less bombastic and he's developed a narrative that the indictments he's facing are an indictment of his constituency which, whether it's substantively true or not, is politically, I think, an effective retort. I think it's true. Um, And my piece of evidence is that Joe Biden had documents in his garage, as everybody knows, and was not entitled to take them where Trump was entitled to take documents. And a special prosecutor was appointed. You know his name, Doug? Um, Jack Smith. Robert Herr. Oh, okay. So nobody I, I, knows. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. I asked Carlson that last night. He didn't know. And it's yeah. not your fault. Robert Herr was appointed 10 months ago almost to investigate the Biden documents in his garage. And we have not heard a word. We don't even know if he's in a country. I think he's in Sri Lanka someplace. <laughs> he hasn't even interviewed Biden in 10 months. So that people, even people who are not MAGA, but 
are reasonable thinkers. They know the fix is in. I think the corruption under the Biden administration is what is driving Biden down now. The border, the indictments, the whole fix is in. Merrick Garland not doing Joe Biden any good, is he? No, no. Right. He He looks corrupt. He's befuddled or I don't know, you know, it's like that. That's what I think it is. It's reached critical mass. Now, to your book. So we had Kennedy coming in after Eisenhower when the country was in a little bit of uh, on edge over the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it wasn't a big social upheaval. Then you got Nixon you write about, and Nixon was right in the middle of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. which was a catastrophe for the United States. All right. Um, and so I, when I was reading your book, I mean, I followed that narrative closely. Then you have Trump and Biden. You skip Bill Clinton and the Bushes. Why did you skip yep. them? Well, I wanted to compare life in 1960 when I began in politics as a very young boy to our contemporary situation. And it struck me that there were parallels, like Richard Nixon had a pretty good claim in 1960 that he'd been uh, facing a stolen election, probably better claims than Donald Trump had. And he, for the good of the country, uh, put it uh, uh, aside and I think led to his own uh, election in 68. Trump, I think, would be 20 points ahead today, Bill. If he had said he had serious doubts about the election, but had uh, rallied behind Joe Biden so that American democracy could continue. I also wrote about the technological changes in the 60 odd years and also the difference between Joe Kennedy showing up with envelopes of cash and super PACs showing up with large amounts of dark money in elections and how things both change a lot and seemingly stay the same. So it would be interesting for someone to read your book and then go to Killing the Mob, where I do write about how organized crime did influence the 1960 election. Um, Absolutely. And it's a great read, Bill. I'm one of those who uh, have it on my shelf, and I've read through it a couple of times. Thank you. Thank you. You like Killing the Witches, by the way, because you know a lot of the witches. You were back in Salem at that time, I understand. I, I was. That's when I started. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the final question I have for you here is of Kennedy, Nixon, Biden and Trump. Mm-hmm. Four guys you researched, you thought about, right. you brought to yep. the audience's attention. Who is the strongest leader of those four, in your opinion? It's a very good question. The way I answer it, and I've asked myself that, is aspirationally John Kennedy inspired people the most, I thought. Didn't get as much done because of the tragedy of the uh, assassination. Nixon, I think, substantively was an extraordinarily good leader bringing the country together on domestic policy and managing the Soviet Union, still had the tragedy of Vietnam. I think Trump galvanized an extraordinary number of people, as we were just discussing, people who remain galvanized. And Joe Biden, I think, offered the promise of unity, a promise that has been, for the reasons you outlined so articulately, betrayed 
during his uh, time in office. All right. The book is Four Presidents, Kennedy, Nixon, Biden, Trump, Leaders Who Change History and Our Changing Times. Doug Schoen. Appreciate it, Doug. Always good to talk to you. Thanks. Bill, for I look forward to reading your book as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. OK, uh, Thursday, after the wild Wednesday tomorrow, there will be the first impeachment hearing in the Oversight Committee. All right. 10 a.m. September 28th. That's Thursday. It's going to be three people brought in to testify under oath. First one is Bruce Dubinsky, forensic accountant, and he's going to testify about the Hunter Biden and the money and all of that. Second one, Eileen O'Connor, former assistant attorney general in the Department of Tax Justice. And the third one is our pal Jonathan Turley. Now, I made Turley, by the way, uh, by bringing him on the fact, and now he's a regular on Fox News. He wasn't when I, I started with him. So he is going to talk about... Uh, the constitutional aspect. All those things are interesting. We'll obviously have uh, fairly good coverage of the first impeachment hearing on Thursday. Now, on the media front, you will hear a lot of smearing and sliming of this hearing before. Okay, you're going to hear that. MSNBC, CNN, and, and the other networks too. The networks do a little more subtly, but when I'm, I'm telling you this, so when you see it, you remember. Ted Cruz. So um, I've been telling you for about a year that the only hope Democrats have of uh, continuing in the White House is Michelle Obama. And I have tried as hard as I can try, and I haven't given up, to try to get some inside information for you, both on television and radio, and in my columns on BillOReilly.com, about Mrs. Obama's intentions. I cannot get that information. And I'm not going to speculate or guess because that's ridiculous. It's a waste of your time. I don't know. It is a tightly controlled information flow out of the Obamas. I've never really seen anything like it. I usually can get something. I got nothing. Here's what Senator Ted Cruz said. I think the odds are very significant that next summer at the Democrat National Convention, that the Democrat Party will jettison Joe Biden, will throw him off the ticket, and they will parachute in instead Michelle Obama to be their candidate. I think they're going to look to Michelle Obama as the savior to come in. And that's possible because Mrs. Obama does not want and will not campaign. They don't want to run in New Hampshire and Iowa and do the rally. They don't want any part of that. And if Biden is not deemed to be fit, which is, I think that's going to happen, then they're going to be looking around. The primary system will be, you know, not defined and the convention can pick its own candidate. So that's certainly possible. And, you know, Cruz is picking up what I've said for a year. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundations in the Line of Duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundations Never Forget programs engage people in 
9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to Gavin Newsom. So he vetoes a bill in California that would require a judge in child custody matters to take into account the child's gender identity and how the parents see that. It's insane. Newsom knows that parents, particularly independent and Republican parents, are had it with getting this trans business shoved down their children's throats. And now you're bringing it into divorce court. So Newsom vetoes the bill. Again, you're never going to hear this anywhere else because Newsom knows if he wants to run for president, he can't stick up for this. All right, you know, in Virginia, okay, Yunkin, the governor, got elected on this. And it's going to be a campaign issue in 24. So there is a new book called Hide Your Children, exposing the Marxists behind the attack on America's kids. The author is Liz Wheeler. You may see her on the first TV, the primetime show, and she joins us now. So... Marxists, gotta give me the connection between the commies and the indoctrination of children. Hi, Bill. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. You know, this is one of the most common questions that I've been getting about my book. It's why I put the word Marxist in the title. Because I think as Republicans, as conservatives, it's very important that we acknowledge the reality of the political enemy that we're facing, because if we don't, then we won't fight well against them, we'll lose. I don't want to lose. I don't think anybody watching your program wants to lose. So the connection is this. A lot of people, when they think of Marxism, think of Karl Marx, you know, the Communist Manifesto, this this economic Marxism, where the working class is supposed to be discontented with capitalism. They're supposed to overthrow the ruling class and thus usher in communism or Marxism. People say, well, is that what you're talking about, Liz? Is that what's in this book? Well, Bill, let me tell you, when I dived into the research for this book, what I found is that Karl Marx's version of Marxism kind of went out of fashion. He had envisioned a global Marxist revolution, and it it didn't happen. It never really came to fruition. But then we have an Italian Marxist by the name of Antonio Gramsci, who's actually the co-founder of the Italian Communist Party. He was in prison in fascist Italy, and he was studying Marxism, 
And he began to recognize that where there had been successful Marxist revolutions, it wasn't because the working class was economically discontented. It was because the Marxists had undermined, subverted, captured the civil institutions, which means the cultural institutions, on which the working class relied. And Gramsci named, among others, the media, the education system, religion, the law, and the nuclear family. So if you look at what's happening in our country today, we're seeing all of these things. The media is captured. The education system is just indoctrination. Sadly, religious institutions have been corrupted. The law, I mean, Black Lives Matter is doing their best to destroy that. And the nuclear family is under constant assault. Once you see this connection, even if it's to an idea that came from men who lived long before we did, it's hard to unsee it because we're watching it play out before our very eyes. Okay. There are radical teachers and there are activists in public schools, not too many in private schools, which is why I sent my kids to private school. They're there, but they're not the majority. Okay. The majority of public school teachers and administrators are good, decent human beings who don't want Marxism or anything else like that imposed on the children. So I'm not sure how big a problem the Marxist connection to try to get the children to think a certain way is. How big a problem to you is it? Well, well, let me explain it this way. So the word woke or the idea of wokeness, we're pretty familiar with that. We've, we've said it a lot. We've heard it a lot in the last year. A lot of conservatives aren't necessarily able to define it. They recognize it like, oh, critical race theory, that's, that's woke or trans ideology, that's woke. But they don't know its origin. So what I did in this book is I traced the origin of the word woke back to a Brazilian Marxist by the name of Paulo Freire, who contended that in the education system, when teachers impart knowledge, they're not imparting reality or truth or fact. They are instead just indoctrinating children with the prevailing political narrative. So Freire proposed this idea that instead of teaching children facts and knowledge, we instead teach them how to think, how to okay, view but, the but world. But how many of those- critical wait, wait, wait. consciousness. Liz. No. Yes. Listen to this, because it's right in our classrooms. Yes. It exists, particularly in places like San Francisco and L.A. and New York City, where the teachers unions, all of which are far left progressive, it exists. But I'm not sure how big a problem it is. Now, DeSantis took care of it in Florida by passing laws that you couldn't have certain materials presented to children at certain ages, which I support that law. OK, but I'm not sure uh, it's not a, I'm not undermining your book. The research is fascinating about how the whole thing came about. I think the media is much more of a danger in this area than the school system is. Would I be wrong? I think so, with all due respect, because when I describe this critical consciousness that Paulo Freire was talking about, he was talking about teaching children to view the world through a Marxist worldview, to put people in a demographic either as an oppressor or as oppressed. And this, this worldview, this critical consciousness, it exists in every single classroom in our country under the heading of social emotional learning. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's disguised as just being values education, but it's teaching children to view the world through the lens of an oppressor or oppressed. I think that's incredibly dangerous. We're seeing the fruits of that. We see how many young people have turned against America, have turned against white people, 
are embracing critical race theory, the trans ideology even. This kind of grooming that happens in schools is effective. So you think it's all over that? You think from it, if we see the number of children. You think it's in North Dakota. You think it's all over the place that this wave of woke. And I agree with you. That's the um, strategy to make the kid into a victim, particularly minority children. You're a victim. Don't worry about if you fail, you don't do anything because it's society that makes you, you know, oppressed. I, I get it. But I'm not so sure, and I'm going to give you the last word on it, that this is the prevailing wisdom outside of the big urban centers. Last word. Well, listen, I think I had a similar experience to a lot of parents. My daughter's two and a half years old, and when she was born, my husband and I were discussing where to send her to school. I'm a big proponent of homeschooling. He wanted to send her to the local public school. And I said, you know what? I don't think we should do that. I think there's a lot of poison there in there. And he said, not in our neighborhood, though, not in our local community public school. And I think that one of the things that happened during COVID is a lot of parents, my husband included, had their eyes opened to the fact that, you know what, this is in our neighborhood because it's embedded into curriculum that teachers, even if the teachers don't adhere to this ideology or don't understand what they're propagating, they are required to teach these students. It's it's part of national standards, it's part of state standards. And Interesting. It's I, I haven't seen the textbooks uh, for a while, but I, I'm going to go look into that. So the book is uh, Liz Wheeler, Hide Your Children. Exposing the Marxists behind the attack on America's kids. Liz, thanks very much. We'll see you on the first, okay? Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. All right. Sure. San Francisco mayor, London Breed, far left woman, um, basically says, hey, we're not going to give welfare money anymore to anyone who doesn't submit to a drug test. So what San Francisco is doing for years, and London Breed was fine with it, was giving people about $800 a month in cash. No drug testing, nothing. It's handing them the money. So every drug addict in Northern California say, hey, I'm going to San Francisco. Get the 800 in cash. And I'll buy my heroin and fentanyl and meth or whatever it may be. So now the city is overrun with drug addicts. Can't even go there anymore. And London Bridge says, I think we have drug testing now. If you want the money, you have to drug test. Now, if you test positive, then you have to go to rehab. These people aren't going to go to rehab. They don't want rehab. Most of them do not want to stop using narcotics. Okay? So this will be a way for San Francisco not to pay. How, what's the figure? I know I have it here. Da -da, it's like $30 million. $30 million. San Francisco every year gives to drug addicts to buy drugs. Because that's what they're using the money for. They panhandle for the food and they use the cash for the heroin or the fentanyl, which kills them. Great. Um, San Francisco General Assistant Program administered 30 million in fiscal year 2022. It's more now. What a place. What a town, huh? How about Philadelphia? Almost as bad. So Philadelphia, last two nights, been riot, looting. Of course, of course, disorder all over the place because the DA, Krasner, won't enforce the law. So last night, 12 people were arrested. The night before, 52 people were arrested for looting, breaking in to stores. Now, last night they did liquor stores, of course, break into the liquor stores. 
So now the state has closed the state-run liquor stores in Pennsylvania because they're getting looted. All dis- all protections for the good people of Philadelphia are gone. Public disorder everywhere in a town, just like San Francisco, just like sections of Chicago, just like sections of New York City and L.A. County and Baltimore and St. Louis and Portland, Oregon. Every single town run by a progressive structure is public disorder everywhere. Okay, we all have that. No debate on it. Oh, it just it just and and Craster was reelected. Reelected. D.C., 200 homicides already, the most since 1997. Homicides, killings, carjackings, disorder right in front of Congress's nose. Just walk out of Capitol Hill and you got disorder all over Washington, D.C. Another liberal place. Muriel Bowser. Hey, Muriel, how you doing, huh? How you doing? Disorder all over the place. Far left Muriel Bowser. Great. Ibram Kendi. You know Ibram? So this guy wrote a couple of books and he thinks everybody's racist and that's okay. I mean, Ibram's entitled to his opinion and he made a lot of money. A lot of money. So my alma mater, Boston University, and I was there um, a week ago at BU, uh, they hired him to uh, run a center, an anti-racist research center at Boston University. And $55 million is donated to that center. Jack Dorsey of Twitter gave $10 million. George Soros, he's in for about $140,000, and on and on and on. So they got $55 million bucks up at BU. I, I kind of giggle when they send me a, a donation through the alumni thing. And uh, what Ibram is supposed to do is he hires a staff and they're supposed to investigate um, anti-racist stuff in everything. Okay, everything. Every dentistry, uh, taxidermy, everything's racist. Well, the problem is that now... The people working for Ibram at BU say it's chaos. There's mismanagement. And the Boston Globe, one of the most liberal papers on the face of the earth, there's a big thing that nobody's in charge. Uh, Seda Grundy, BU professor of African-American studies, says that uh, the working hours are exploitative, on and on and on and on. And nobody knows where the money is. So is this like Black Lives Matter where they got 90 million and they bought up all this fancy real estate? I don't know. I'm not accusing Ibram of anything. I wouldn't do that. But now BU has launched an investigation. (laughs) It's just once you get into this racist pit, you can't get out of it. You can't. Don't play that game. This skin color game, don't do that. And I'm talking to whites, blacks, and everybody else. Smart life. All right. 
So I wrote a message of the day, BillOReilly.com. Don't have to be a premium member. Don't have to be anything to read it. It says we need a consumer revolt, but not against the federal or state governments, against the stores themselves, because it's rip-off city. So I'll give you two examples, my examples. I've been going to this deli 20 years, good deli, on Long Island. And uh, I go in uh, over the weekend and uh, I want some soup, chicken with rice soup, simple soup. How much do you think they charge me for it? How much? $14.25. Little pieces of chicken, broth, and some rice. Must have cost a buck to put that together. They want $14.25. No. I told the guy, I said, I'm not buying this. And I'm not coming here again. And I've been going there for 20 years. I must spend in there, in 20 years, I must have spent $10,000 in that place because I got some catering. No more. Out. Then I get a letter from a car uh, place uh, where we lease a car, and I fulfilled every obligation. And I, my assistant, everybody walked through everything. Everything was fine, great. Thanks, Bill, you're a good client. You paid on time. You did all the maintenance. Everything was great, great. I get a letter. You owe me $500 from the car company. I'm not going to tell you which because I'm still trying to work this out. But it doesn't say why. It doesn't say why. So I say... Get my assistant, get the car company online. Guy comes on the line. I go, to whom am I speaking? Polite. Monroe. I said, full name, please. Oh, I can't give you my full name. I said, okay, Monroe. Well, I can't give you my time on the telephone. I don't do business that way. We're talking 500 bucks here. You sent me a bill. There's no itemization on the bill. You won't give me your last name. Have a nice day. <laughs> You'll see how long they wait for that 500 bucks. So the point is, we're getting ripped off every time we turn around. Every time we turn around, somebody's trying to rip us off now. Started with COVID, then it got into inflation, and now it's greed. You're being taken advantage of. Look at every bill. Now you pay with a credit card, they charge you 3%. They, they didn't use to that, now they do. Look at everything, all right? If you feel you're being untreated, treated unfairly, Tell the manager, whatever, don't go back. That's the only way it's going to stop. All right, here is the final thought of the day. So I go up to Boston. I told you I was going and I didn't fly. Thank God it was a tsunami here because of Orphelia down in North Carolina. It was just a nonstop rain of wind here. So I drove up and I had some stuff to do with Cambridge, um, uh, Massachusetts, right across the Charles River from Boston. And then, you know, I saw some friends and all that. And on Saturday, I went down to Foxborough where the Patriots play to see the Billy Joel, Stevie Nicks concert. All right. So I'm a big fan of both Joel and Stevie. And I've known Billy Joel since I'm 14 years old. We look a little bit different now than we did when we met. <laughs> we were 14 in our Levittown neighborhood. Um, and it was really good to see him. I, it really was. Now, he had a hip replacement and, uh, you know, but he's really looking good now. We had a few laughs backstage and uh, some of his band members went to the same high school I went. To. We had a lot in common. But the most important thing I can tell you is that in their mid-70s, both Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are fantastic performers. 
I mean, it's incredible how good they both are. And I have to give props to the New England crowd. They sat there in that stadium, and it was pouring. Now, it was a big covered stage, okay? And me, I'm in a suite, so I'm not getting rained on. I, I felt guilty. I felt guilty. You know, I'm sitting there, I'm dry, and these four people, they paid all this money to see them, and, and it was worth the ticket price. I mean, as I said, I mean, to see these vintage performers, the Beach Boys are the same way. I mean, you know, what is love? Close to 80 now? I mean, and they're still popping it out. Um, but Joel himself, about an hour 45, he didn't miss a note. And, you know, I'm pretty, I've been on a lot of shows. I know when you're getting phoned in and when you're not. And both of them, and they did a duet of Tom Petty, uh, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. It was, I mean, it was really good. So anyway, it was very, and then I drove back to the island, Long Island, at two in the morning because I didn't want to face the traffic on Sunday in the rain that you would have to. So, But it was good. It was good. Everybody was nice, and it was good to see everybody in New England. And uh, I'm surprised about how many Harvard students know me. I'm posing for pictures. I'm doing this. Aren't you guys studying? What are you doing watching me? Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News. Please consider witches, and we will see you tomorrow.